0: Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Webb, and with me are Matthew Dawkins. Hello. And Dixie Cochran. Eh. 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 Yes. <laughs> the, the, uh, the excitement you hear in our voices is the fact that we've actually, it's actually been a few weeks since we've been able together to record. We had some a bunch of recording before uh, uh, vacations and conventions, um, and then we had a live broadcast with uh, Travis Legg, where he was recording us, but we were interviewing him. That was interesting. Um, so it's actually been a while since we've gotten together in the same quote-unquote room, as it were. So, You yeah. of... abandoned
1: me is what happened. I got abandoned.
0: You, you got left behind?
1: Yes, I was very lonely. I've had no one to bitch to about work stuff for like <laughs> weeks. It's been a real sad.
2: So, so yeah, I, I appreciate the absence. I, I take the view of how can I miss you if you won't fuck off? <laughs> and and now that you have fucked off and returned, Eddie, uh, I'm you know, I am glad to see you again, hear you again anyway. Seeing you at this I... stretch.
0: <laughs> right, I mean yeah. You know, you like me. like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so you can tell we've we've uh really missed each other. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I honestly truly have. Like... No, nah. I I talked to y'all fairly frequently, so when Eddie was gone for like a couple of weeks, it felt like I was like, oh no, who do I talk to? I talked to Matthew a few times, but like you know, you got a family and stuff. I don't want to bother you.
2: I just oh, been well, alone
1: with my computer. We we had a lovely
2: <laughs> conversation about werewolf one evening. We did. Yeah, it was quite out of the blue, but lovely to always speak about werewolf the Forsaken at the drop of a hat.
1: <laughs> that doesn't sound sincere. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's a totally I'm not spontaneous situation. Way. Yeah, uh, no, no, I, I love talking about role-playing games. Um, it's it's obviously my bread and butter. So, no, Dixie, if ever you need to chat about our industry, our hobby, our games, you feel f- free to call. It's honestly no bother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
1: going to start calling Matthew at 3 a.m. his time every night. <laughs> After I've had, like, a glass of wine, I'm just like, Matthew, talk about the role-playing games industry.
0: Right. Oh my god, Shadowrun dice pools, let's talk about that.
2: (sighs) Yeah, I I still think the industry's been dead since Wizards of the Coast took over (laughs) D&D. It's been on life support since then. Role-playing is ruined.
0: Clearly, clearly, it's just awful. Mm. Well, since you guys like talking about role-playing games, um, let's some (laughs) of that. Um. Actually, uh, uh, because it's been uh, uh, Gen Con's coming on, um, and also we're deep in our slider projects, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about uh games that excite us. Um, probably upcoming games. You know, what's that's new and interesting, but also just uh, games that we're eager to get back into at, at some point. Um, but. Also, since it's been a, a few weeks and we're all a bit rusty, it's probably going to be just also whatever comes to mind during the course of this conversation. It's going to be a bit of a, a, a of excitement ramble, if you will, through the weeds of whatever the game industry is in front of us. That analogy <laughs> fell apart completely in the middle, so I apologize.
1: Yeah, it was like all the games are, are weeds. Like, but, yeah.
0: It's it's they're all it's, you have to pull them up and it's eat time
1: them, to hack through the thorny jungle of the RPG industry with oh, our God, machetes. You.
0: You'd think I'd be so much better at words, and yet here you we know,
1: are. You know, I I have so many friends that are writers. I write, I read for a living, and there's so many times that I'm just saying words, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what words I'm using right now. <laughs> 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 like written written word and uh, speaking are very, very different things.
0: Yeah, oh my god, is that true? I, I feel like I have to constantly prep my 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 do public speaking. I'm all, I feel like I have like kind of. Rehearsing and, and channel and, and prepare what I'm saying even though I may not use those exact words in the actual talk I just feel like I need to kind of get the structure of it around my mouth before I can actually say it
1: That's typical I think just trying to kind of prep a little bit
0: Yeah, well some people can I mean, I know some friends of mine who could just grab a microphone like Off the top of their head do an entire presentation and,
2: and they just astound me.
1: I think for me it would depend on what it was on That's true
2: I, I can like. generally speak at length about any topic for, uh, yeah, for, for at least an hour. Um, well, yeah, that was that
1: was the weirdest thing you ever told me was that one of your early videos for V five when they were doing the like you know when you were doing the promotional videos. Hmm. You were like, yeah, I didn't prepare for that at all. I just talked for 30 minutes into the camera. And I was like, what? You didn't yeah. even stumble. Wow. Like, you just knew stuff.
2: No, like- all, all of those World of Darkness videos on the World of Darkness channel and the videos on my channel, they were never scripted. Really? And sometimes, sometimes I would, if I was doing a review of a game, I would make a bullet point list of the of like chapter headers uh, so I knew the order of which to cover things but if i was just talking about clan Ventru or the state of the sects in vampire the masquerade or something like that i would just rattle on and it's only to be fair with world of darkness is just because i know the material so ridiculously well um maybe if i was asked to speak about uh what's a game i don't know very well Hmm. if i was asked to speak about dystopia rising for an hour i might struggle but I probably and make some really fun stuff up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you can play a mushroom. What?
0: No, that's not in <laughs> the game. No, no probably you can play mushrooms.
1: mushroom. <laughs> next video. will be on the Sophia Rising Evolution. <laughs> <laughs> and he will speak for at least an hour.
2: Well, the thing people found um, most startling about those World of Darkness videos is how I don't blink in them for a good 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Uh, I have I have somehow managed to refine the art of just not blinking uh, while I'm speaking at length. Don't know what it is. If I stop speaking, I will blink. But if I carry on talking in character, I can just lock eyes with the camera lens and just keep going on and on and on. Wait, so, do you yeah. actually
1: not blink during this? Uh,
2: no. Uh, I mean, the, what I would do instead is I would just move my eyes. So I know that sounds silly, but if uh, if I need to, if I feel my eyes getting dry, which I don't usually, I will just look off to the side slightly, and then I'll look back at the lens, and that's enough to make me not need to blink.
1: You're a huh. lizard. You're a lizard creature.
2: <laughs> it, it is. It is known. You,
1: you are actually some kind of fish person.
2: He does live underwater. Like, like. Surely, I need, need more to blink. water. I know people need to blink, but I'm not people. <laughs> speaking of catchphrases... Wait, and I, should, I should explain we
0: that reference. Though.
1: We weren't speaking of catchphrases. <laughs> I know.
0: I realized it, I should explain it, it that to the happening. audience. Okay. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> side note, we'll we've not yet engaged it. the topic. Uh. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you love like I get the support? We, I miss you so much. I'm not going make in fun of you on, on a pub podcast. Um,
1: on a on a Pub cast.
0: podcast. pub never done a podcast. No. Um, the, we should have did the, one her. The catchphrase yeah. reference, actually, because this is want to the audience because they may have suggestions. Um, we are looking at the possibility of doing um Pathcast merchandise. Uh, uh, so you get shirts and mugs that you can buy and we've already got some ideas like we're going to do the the logos for the various uh, episodes um, and the like but one of the things we've been trying to rack our brains about is uh, do we actually have catchphrases that we inadvertently use um, that might look good in a t-shirt so if you have thoughts feel free to tweet them to us um, at our twitter accounts which we'll mention at the end of the episode Mm -hmm. so now you have
1: to listen till the end if you have an idea just write it down and hold it
0: just hold it in your head Just memorize it. Just say it to yourself constantly while you're listening.
2: I'm well, helpful. That, that, that was an, uh, an awkward silence. That would be a fantastic catchphrase put on a t-shirt, <laughs> wouldn't it, Dixie?
1: Awkward silence, awkward silence song.
2: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So how, how many ways can we milk you for money? <laughs> Whoa.
1: <laughs> That's going to be Matthew's catchphrase.
0: <laughs> he is a venturer. That makes sense.
2: Yeah.
1: He's a ventrue fish person.
2: Ventrue fish so person. So I've actually now, now that we're, I've had a couple of minutes, I've remembered the first time. Uh, n- this isn't the subject of the podcast. It's <laughs> Anecdotes by Matthew. So I think I, I think I s- spoke at least once on this podcast about my participating in the prison larp where, um, you, where the yeah. people in the yeah. larp are whittled down one by one, and. As the LARP was going on, and my character, the, uh, the backstreet surgeon, was one of the last people remaining, I was getting increasingly panicked. I think in character and out of character, I was definitely feeling the adrenaline rush. And at one point, a player who was playing a young, um, disturbed woman uh, was just staring at me in absolute horror. And one of the other players asked her why you know, why why are you staring at him like that? What what's wrong? What's he done? And I was just pacing backwards and forwards and justifying my existence in this prison or why why I should be allowed to survive. And she, she just whispered loud enough for everyone to hear, of course, like all good pantomime whispers. Right. He never blinks. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was at that po- it was at that point i knew that i that yeah i just if i'm i guess deep enough into a performance love you i just don't need to blink uh it's yeah just not something i need to do as much it's not much of a superpower i've got to be honest it's like being able to turn i can make my fingers sort of turn horizontal on their joints that, that's not great it's not like uh, I'm, I'm Mel Gibson being able to dislocate his shoulders to slip into air vents. You can't do much with your fingers, yeah. but uh, maybe it could get me out of handcuffs one day uh, if if the lizard people ever try and take me back <laughs>
0: uh, I'm just saying next time you get experience points, you might want to buy a blush of health that would solve a lot of your problems.
2: <laughs> yes, remember to blink. <laughs> Spend a blood point. I blink. It's great. Uh, so,
0: um, are there any games upcoming that, you, or even games that exist that you guys are really excited about right now? You oh, know, yeah, the, the reason topic, we're doing this?
2: The topic of this episode. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, I'll go if nobody else is ready. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's one. I just one. looked it up. I just looked it up. Mm.
1: The Guinness World Record does not have a for like a record right now for longest stare, but according to record Setter, someone kept their eyes open without blinking for one hour five point six seconds. And I think oh, that's easy. Better.
2: That's <laughs> yeah, what I I'm can...
1: saying. You could be a record holder.
2: So I, I just need to talk about vampires to someone from Guinness World Records for over an hour, and I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although that,
1: a, it's not in Guinness World Record, it's on record Setter.
2: But no, okay. Well, I'll get in touch with Guinness. Or yeah. or I'll have a Guinness, one or the other. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, we'll go from there. But in terms of games, I'm looking forward. To, <laughs> um, other than the staring out game, which is of course always a winner at parties, uh, I am I'm very fond of uh, the Cults of the Blood God sourcebook for V5. Fancy that? Ooh. Talking about a game I'm developing. Uh, because that book, as of time of recording, not to date this episode too much like (laughs) we always do, is uh, currently with White Wolf for manuscript approval, and everything we're hearing back from them is positive, which is always lovely. Uh, it's, It's always the case for any listeners who are unaware that if you are working on a book for a licensing partner, they have the right, and quite often they exercise it, to review the manuscript and the art, to make sure it's in keeping with their brand. Uh, And it it makes perfect sense for a company to do that, especially if they're in the formative stages of setting up a brand, uh, because they don't want uh, you to release a book that is completely off-kilter and presents something in a way that they don't agree with. So, in the case of Cults of the Blood Gods, it's off to White Wolf, uh, and Paradox, I should say, to review. And this is a book that covers uh, vampire religion, and in previous editions of Vampire the Masquerade, vampire religion is something that has been covered to a degree with the Sabbat, of course. So the Sabbat are kind of an inverted Catholic church uh, in previous editions. And there's always been um, a little bits and pieces about the Bahari, the cult of Lilith, the cult of Mithras, the Cainite heresy in Dark Ages. Uh, and of course, the followers of Set are a pretty big cult. But faith as a subject matter and the way vampires exercise it, the importance it has to immortal beings, uh, hasn't ever really been a focus of the game. It's always been about political struggle and street-level struggle more mm. than ecclesiastical struggle and, um, and and struggle for the soul. There have been some books like uh, State of Grace for the revised edition for Vampire the Masquerade, oh, yeah. which... Almost entirely covers faith, but it was a very slim book, and I don't think a lot of people read it because it was probably one of the last uh, books released. I think yeah, it was for, definitely near the for end. revised edition. It was when every type of book was being released. We had books on Archons, uh, <laughs> Golconda, uh, The Ink on You, and so on. So, this book is very exciting for me because it covers. To my mind, new ground. We we recover some material that hasn't appeared yet in V5, like the Church of Cain, formerly the mm-hmm. Cainite Heresy, because heresies don't call themselves heresies. Uh, the Bahari, the Church of Sets, uh, the Cult of Mithras. We also have new cults in there, like Ash Finders, who are thin bloods who devour the ashes of destroyed elders just to get, kind of get a, a snatch of their elder power. And it's like an addictive drug. It's, it doesn't last for long, but you can kind of uh, eke memories out of the ashes of, of dead vampires, which is fun. Uh, we have a cult that ties into the Drowned legacies that proved to be very popular. They were the South American vampires that were uh, semi-introduced in Beckett's Jihad Diary. And, of course, the Hekata, the cult, the Clan of Death, Uh Arguably, if you want to argue, the biggest cult in World of Darkness, uh, next to the Church of Set, because they are death worshippers. They worship the very idea, the philosophy of uh, eschatology, uh, the end of the world, and mastery over life and death. So they are the cult of death and undeath. And nice. they are made up by the Giovanni, the Cappadocians, the Harbingers, the Samdi, the Lamia, and a whole bunch of other death bloodlines. Uh, so yeah, uh, all in all, that's a book that excites me a great deal.
0: It does sound very cool, and not uh, because I helped write on it. I just like how we have this,
1: this whole world of books you could have picked. You could have like given props to either of us, and he was like, I'm going to talk about my book first.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I didn't blink once. (laughs) So, Dixie, what (laughs) books are you looking forward to?
1: Does that be one I'm working on? I I don't...
0: (laughs) I mean, it doesn't have to be.
1: (laughs) I'm very confused. Uh, I will not be talking as long as Matthew did about any of these, because I don't develop books, so I'm not quite as uh, tuned into any of them. Um, I am looking forward to a few of our books. I'm looking forward to, I'd say, Averitt and Zion Demigod a whole lot right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um Aberrant I'm looking forward to partially because I've been doing that live stream of it yeah. and it's super super fun and that's like that's that's really my first introduction to it because I haven't edited it yet. Mm-hmm. So um yeah I've been having a lot of fun doing that. We're actually bringing that back for a couple more episodes. Oh cool. Be more collateral damage. And since the last episode I have actually gotten my haircut like that character I'm playing. Nice. So I don't have to pull my hair back anymore. <laughs> Cuz I shaved half my head. Um, But yeah, I am looking forward to Everett. I I think there's some really cool things with scale and with the superhero concept um, and updating it from its previous edition that I think are super, super fun. Um, And then I'm also really looking forward to DemiGod because I did write on that. (laughs) And I just got my red lines back. And uh, yeah, I'm working on some, some underworlds and things. And I think DemiGod's going to have a really cool play style just because... Once you get above hero, which is still kind of mortal tier, even though you're doing cool things, mm-hmm. uh, the game gets a little bit weirder and you go to a little bit stranger places and you interact with gods more and you know, more more steps on the heroic journey, such as going to the underworld and coming back. Um that are all very important to the myth of Sion.
0: Yeah, that's one thing that I, I really liked about when Neil started talking to me about Demigod, is because the original first edition of Demigod was basically just here's more stuff you know here's here's your original stuff but more powerful Um, right and it's a valid design decision but you know you never really felt like you you were playing a different game it was just a bigger version of the previous game whereas with with demigod it definitely feels like neil's trying to make it so the play style is 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 distinctly different so you're it's still the same character still same continuity but now the game's taking a different direction it's going a different way and and the mechanics in the overall structure of the book will make you kind of reflect this to slightly different take on the game which i think is really interesting and compelling
1: well yeah because at you know it's it's like becoming any supernatural creature like what what mm. what happens is you lose your humanity right you know, as you start to become you know something else entirely mm-hmm. and that's 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 something that i think a lot of world of darkness games explore a lot of chronicles games explore um even like exalted explorers you know um and something kind of needs to because mm-hmm. if you're literally playing gods by the end of it like gods are, are fundamentally different from mortals so
0: absolutely yeah um and for me the couple of the onyx path books i'm looking forward to are um uh, one is legend lore actually um because it'll be our first five pure five book that isn't scarlands um, which mm-hmm. sounds like a weird sort of qualifiers, but I mean, Scarlet is kind of an entrenched, established property and Pugmire is not exactly 5e. Um, but this is a new kind of of book for us in the sense that we've never really done a 5e book with a new license from scratch. You know, Scarlet again, we had the old material to draw from. Um, so I'm curious how going to turn out, especially because of the idea that you can play yourself or modern people who are drawn into a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see how that works out. And Steffi Devan, the developer, um, once she's been talking to me, um, she has some, a lot of really cool ideas on how to reflect that, how to kind of give a a taste of what you were in the real world and how that impacts into a, a 5e style game design, um, as well as digging really deep into the comics uh, uh, lore and backstory and really emphasizing those. So it becomes just, if you want to just play it as another cool fantasy world for your 5e game you can't you don't need to use that component of, of humans drifting in and out but also you know there are things like crashed airplanes in this world and how does that change how fantasy world works um i'm i, I haven't seen a manuscript yet actually so uh, then i'm definitely at the i'm just I'm, I'm excited to see when it comes in um what cool. it's gonna look like um the other one is actually they came from beneath the sea um oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah remember that game um <laughs> what <laughs> It's because uh, – uh, and it's been a minute since we've talked about it, um, uh, but, I mean, it's a comedic game, and those are just so rare to do because they're so hard to do. Um, it, it's it's hard to do a game that's just explicitly funny, and um, plus I feel like the, the – Mystery Science Theater-ish vibe um, is going to be really fun. I, I, I Even though I've written a little bit on it and, and I've been involved in various parts of production with it, i not actually played it yet. And that's something I do want to sit down and play it at some point in time because it just seems, everything I've heard from, everything I've seen, seems like it's just a, a, a fun, fun game, especially for a one-shot style game. Let's have a game
2: of it midwinter.
1: Yeah, that would be Yay! actually cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can
1: I play? Can I play? I want to play. You-
2: I, yeah. I would love for you to play, and and you know, um, <laughs> I, I, no, that is sincere, because um, I, I receive a fair amount of credit for They Came From, and I'll take it, because I <laughs> conceived it, but at the same time, the team that were on that book were wonderful, wonderful writers, Eddie among them, and mm-hmm. Eddie, you... Um, you wrote a brilliant systems chapter. Okay. And and that's not a small piece of praise to my mind because systems can read entirely dry and and not be engaging and I think you really cracked it where they came from. But I also swing that praise over to Dixie because good comedy needs a damn good editor to yeah. make it make it sharp, make it cutting, make it actually not So in your face that it becomes overbearing, and there there are a few uh, books. Obviously, I've uh, I've spoken a fair amount about how much I appreciate your quality of editing, but I think this is the book for me where I read through your edits and I think I agreed with every single one of them. I thought, yes, yeah, you you are absolutely correct. This needs to be amended to make it better. So yeah, uh, I it really is a team effort and i'm also really looking forward to seeing how it lands because Mm -hmm. um, occasionally i'm asked what kind of game would you love to see on the market next or what's an area what's a genre that doesn't get covered enough to your mind and for me and i know we always go back to that question of what is fun but for me it is a genuinely fun rpg Right. It's why Pugmire and Monarchies of Mao are so special to me as a as a guide and as a player, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's why they came from is so special to me as a creator, because I love games that I can just pick up and and run and know that everyone around the table is going to have a good time. that that it doesn't require a massive amount of introspection it can bring it but it's a game that you can just sit down and enjoy like a board game like a card game uh except it's got that added bit of engagement because you are playing a role yeah Uh, so yeah
0: it's something i've been noticing recently Uh, my family are are running two different tnt games at the same time um uh, my wife is running um uh, a a very intricate city-based water deep game um with lots of intrigue and mystery and and political machinations um and Mermaid david he's just running Dungeon crawl, up, dungeon crawl, up, dungeon crawl. Um, there's there's story, there's connectivity. You know, there's still characters. It's still well run, um, but it's very explicit. You know, there's one game where you have to, I had to read like 30 pages of backstory and figure out what the different terminology of Waterdeep is and how the city's structured and how the different political elements tie together. And there's another where I just show up with my monk and be stuck with my staff and move on. Um, and I realize I do enjoy both. Um, sometimes I don't have the time to always have the deep, in, intricate knowledge of the game um but i've realized that both of them excite me differently even though they're the exact same system i feel like i'm getting different experiences out of them because there's different expectations going into them so you're right there is definitely a place in the market for more games that are just kind of that pick up and play it's just you know fun and there's nothing more to it than that there can be like you say um, but that's an opt-in component Um, but there is still it's definitely, value of the okay. You know, we're gonna take some time and really prepare, complex, intricate backstories. You know, figure out a way that uh, um, to, to dig deep into the, the the elements of this particular campaign. I think both of them are valid. So it's nice that we as a company are diversifying and doing more of both of those kinds of games. Speaking of other games, are there are there other non Omics Path games that you guys are excited about.
1: They just announced a book I worked on at Fantasy Flight. Oh, which one? Um, uh, it's called uh, "Path of Waves." It's the Ronin book Ooh. for L five R. Yeah, so it's the book for playing samurai who aren't connected to a house or a clan mm-hmm. or a lord. Um, it's also the book that introduces how you can play Gaijin in the world of Rokugan.
0: Oh, okay, and
1: what that kind of means. Um, I know in in prior editions of L five R, to my knowledge, this is kind of hearsay, so don't you know beat me up if I'm wrong. Um, but I've I've been told that it was kind of just like they're not allowed in Rokugan, like there are no outsiders in Rokugan, mm-hmm. they're not allowed. And that's really strange <laughs> right. and, and xenophobic. Um, so in this one, it's more like they're not common, you know, but they're they are around um, sometimes and where you go and who you talk to kind of depends on what reception you get. Mm mm-hmm. Or kind of influences what what reception you get, so that's that's very cool. And there's also a a supplemental adventure coming out with it that was announced that I also worked on. So I proofed the wow. the book itself, uh-huh. and then I edited the adventure. Nice. And I am super excited for them because the Ronin book was a lot of fun. Um, it had some really it had some really cool spells. It has some really cool new backstories and new places you can be from, and just new places in the world to go explore. And I. I like what L Five R has been doing recently, where they release kind of a a, a core supplement, if you will, mm-hmm. and then they it, but like they already have two or three adventures to go with it right away. Oh, okay. Um, that's 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 kind of been their their model recently. Is they'll release this you know core book like the Shadowlands book, mm-hmm. um, and then they'll release an adventure in PDF form, like same day. That's like, hey, you know, here's the Shadowlands book, which has some stuff in it. And also here's an adventure if you want to play this. So I've been enjoying that, that model. And also it means that I get more work because sometimes I get to work on all three projects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it does sound like um, kind of a, 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 an outsider's book overall. And, and it, it sounds like it's really fun because you're right. L5R has not been great about. They've really so focused on the houses. Um, they don't right. often talk about the other sides of the world.
1: Yeah, so this doesn't really go too far outside, but it does give some detail on a couple of the nearby places, which is cool. Um, Like, you know, like there's whatever, because so Rokugan is the cipher for Japan.
0: Right.
1: Obviously. So there are some ciphers for parts of the Middle East and I think Africa in this one. Okay. Yeah. it's kind of like cares. What's on the other side of this? And what it's 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 fantasy versions, just like Rokugana's fantasy sure. Japan. But that's that's kind of the cultures those are modeled after. And I'm I'm excited for it. And it's gonna be really cool. And it gives you just some yeah, just some new options to play. Um playing playing as a as a Ronin character as an outsider definitely appeals to me mm-hmm. as a player. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping we we've 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 talked with with some of my friends about maybe running L5 R at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to be able to do it with uh, with Path of Waves, because that'd be really cool. <laughs> I feel like
0: that might be a good way to get people who aren't as familiar with the backstory of Rokugan to be able to say, okay, you're playing a ronin or a gaijin and kind of get invested into the, the political machinations of the houses and then maybe switching to a character that is more embedded in that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I also really appreciate... Um, I'll play fifth edition at least because that's the one i'm familiar with because the one that i've worked on the most right. for being very good about saying like hey don't do weird accents yeah. don't be racist at the table like be respectful of cultures like that's that's really awesome i know some of the folks they've hired for it have helped reinforce that oh good um so like i'm not as familiar with the previous editions but i've i've, I've heard that there were they weren't quite as great but you know that's kind of like almost any game that was produced more than five years ago sure it's it,
0: it's 20 year old property 20 plus year old property so i mean yeah it's gonna happen
1: yeah yeah exactly like we can talk about almost any role-playing game and be like you know go back and look at the initial editions of it and kind of go oh oh the early <laughs> Wish They hadn't done that
0: the early vampire the masquerade Asian yep. <laughs> bloodlines were not great
1: what, you don't love the Ravnos and the Asomites?
2: <laughs> no. Or the Gaki and the Bushi. Oh. They were the original um, Japanese and Chinese uh, Vampire the Masquerade bloodlines yeah. before the Wang Kuei or Kuei Jin, Jin or whatever awful term. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, on the plus side of L5R... Uh, the, those books, as well as always being incredible fun to read, always look absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the artwork in L Five R is 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 magnificent. So I yeah I, I really look forward to seeing another book coming out, especially if it's fun to read. Yeah. Uh, that's one of those other factors. I guess uh, like having games that are fun to play. I look forward to books that I can just engage with, and so Eclipse Phase Second Edition is yeah. uh, yeah. is one yeah. such game. Let's I know I that. have I, I have harped on about Eclipse Phase before about it being one of my favorite RPGs, and the second edition has uh, the PDFs have recently gone out to Kickstarter backers and hard it's also copies. Also, a
1: drive-through RPG. If anybody yep. wants the PDF.
2: And hard copies are in the process of getting into people's hands, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, um, I have backed it myself. And it's one of those books that marries uh, setting with system, with science and readability uh, so, so very well that I can just sit down and read Eclipse Face for fun. Really, And that isn't something you can say for every single RPG, because sometimes an RPG can read like an encyclopedia, where you need to cross-reference this with this, and you jump to this page if you need to find out more about uh, reading this type of character, or creating this kind of character, I should say. But Eclipse Phase, uh, especially the second edition, I can very much vouch for this game, because I've read the PDF from page one to whatever the last page is mm-hmm. without interruption without having to uh, jump back and forth to refresh my memory on anything it was just that enjoyable
0: wow
2: so i really look forward to having a hard copy i understand there were some at gen con yep. but i wasn't at gen con so i wasn't able to get one but uh, but that's fine because as i said i backed it and it's a a book i really look forward to receiving in yeah. the next few months
1: the art and layout are beautiful, and if anybody wants to get into it and they don't want to read the mechanics right away, the uh, Fiction Collection After the Fall is also super good.
2: Yep. Yep, was, very true. I was
1: gifted that by one of our friends, and it is uh, it is very, very good. It definitely kind of gets you into the world.
0: Yeah, those are both kind of on my my massive-to-read stack, but I did start reading through 2nd Edition recently, and the Fiction, you're right, is is, is I'm gonna as far as fiction but the fiction already is fantastic it really helps also, your It's world. just
1: it's 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 just a beautiful game yeah like if you're if you're into um you know that 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 genre especially but like it's it's a beautiful game all the art's really cool it's very inclusive um post-human studios in general seem to be really decent people yeah just from the ones Mm -hmm, i know mm -hmm. and like hear about (laughs) uh you know full disclosure friends with at least one of them right um but yeah like it's it's just it's a gorgeous book it's 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 so well laid out it's 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 well arted it's it's well written you can just tell that like you know there there are always people with every um kickstarter project that ends up being late Mm -hmm. that are yelling about it online constantly sure And like it happens. We do estimates. We do our best estimates. Sometimes shit happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you get a book after the wait that's just that beautiful, it's hard to be mad. Because I'm like, well, I couldn't have done this in the time they did it. and Yeah, right. (laughs) Good on them.
2: And, and, you know, I'll say this isn't just for Eclipse Phase, although it is something that I remember the first edition got... uh, Well, it was often pointed at first edition with this uh, phrase. It's so big, I don't know what to do with it. Um which could be a euphemism, but we'll move on from that. The, I was, I was uh, fighting
1: I I was fighting so hard to not say that's what she said.
2: Thank you, you thank, thank you. you. Okay, we're going back to starter now. <laughs> and um this one's on backer Cock. That won't work as well. Um anyway. Uh the the world of Eclipse Phase, um, being the solar system and beyond via uh gates, uh Pandora Gates. Mm -hmm. is such an expansive setting uh, and there's so many options for for the players that it is one of those games that can uh, give a player on first read-through choice paralysis... You know, Do I play uh, someone in an octomorph, or do I play someone in a nanomorph, or do I play this or that or the other? Where, which part of the solar system do I come from? What kind of philosophy do I ascribe to? That kind of thing. And uh, we sometimes get that exact same view when it comes to some of our Chronicles of Darkness games, mm-hmm. when there's a lot of playable splats. Uh, even World of Darkness, uh, going back to Revised Edition, when you had all 13 clans, presented up front and especially mage the ascension for that matter but what i always recommend to a uh, games master running any of these respective games where there's a lot of potential playable options is you just focus in you just narrow down on the bit you're interested in you don't need to worry about what's going on on jupiter's moons or what's going on 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 the dark side of mercury
1: I'm very concerned about both of those things now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, you can see them on newscasts. You can read about them. They can be flashes of peripheral information. But if your character's story is set on Mars, or if you are gate crashers, then you don't need to know about the entire rest of the plot. And I think some people feel like, well, that diminishes the setting, but there's no reason the next campaign you play doesn't It can't be in another completely different part of the solar system. And that's how I've always thought about big settings like the Forgotten Realms or Planescape all the way through to the World of Darkness or, or Eclipse Phase. Like, just just focus in on what you're interested in.
1: I feel like that advice would work for uh, Trinity Aeon too.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's
1: one thing about Aeon is that like, you can have a game set entirely on Earth or you can have a game set entirely in space very far away. And I think some people worry about how to reconcile those things. hmm and it's like, well, what are your characters doing? And that's 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 something that you know players and their story guides talk about beforehand. Is like, what what kind of game are we playing? Because if you want to play a really politically charged game, then maybe you just want to set it on Earth around you know one of the the like strange areas or big cities there, or are you playing you know more of an Adventure, go liberate people, help people settle, kind of game. Then you can be hopping around all over the uh, galaxy. So yeah,
0: and I think um, there's a lot of value in making intention taking a, a expansive world and focusing on just a small piece of it for your chronicle. um yeah, totally. Uh, I ran a, a 20th anniversary vampire game a few years back, um, and one of the things is like going, it's you're, you can only play neonate. Generations only seven core Camarilla clans, um, and you can't have more than you can't have any more than one dot in status. And for like a little bit, people were like oh, but I want to play this and blah blah. blah. I said, okay, well we, let's find a way to take that concept and build it into the restrictions I have. But it allowed me to do things like when I introduced uh, a Giovanni character, people were like oh my god, it's Giovanni! And you know, then when they fought against the Sabbat, it's like you know they became a threat because it was a part of the world that was walled off to them, and so now it became interesting and novel when they got to see it. Um, so sometimes having that small focus at the start of a game allows you to bring in world detail over time that then there's more benefit for that than just, well, everything's out there. I could play anything.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite D&D campaigns I ever played, uh, we had the restriction that we all had to be dwarves from the same family. Oh, wow. uh, Or same, you know, like clan, essentially. Yeah. And we all had to be neutral or above was the rule just to make it easy. Mm-hmm. But um, we, 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 like we were going because we had this like ancestral home that had been lost to time and we we set out to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, made us all care about it because we were all the same family. So we all cared about things you know, that our family would care about. Yeah. And first we like went 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 to town and grabbed our wizard, who was also part of our family, but was living in town like a weirdo. We we're like, why are you living here? This is this not where Dwarves live? <laughs> um, so we went and got him. A wizard or a sort you know he was caster of some sort and then we uh set off to to find our our lost uh lost family home which was which was flooded and all kinds of cool stuff and we fought all kinds of you know baddies whatever but i actually really enjoyed that for the same reason like you're you're a small band of you know some some kind of narrow focus Mm -hmm. but it makes sense in the long run and it allows the gm to kind of go like okay, like here's, here's the world you, you know, and now let's expand that.
2: Mm. Absolutely. It, it's funny because um, oh, I once played in an all-dwarf D&D game as well. Really? Uh, and I guess this is I, the thing. I, Yeah. <laughs> well, except I was one of these uh, precocious players who insisted on playing something special and different, so I was a half-orc adopted into the dwarf <laughs> family. <laughs> Uh, that that's where I was playing my one-man band Barb. Oh no. Um, I think have I mentioned my one-man band Barb before? Let <laughs> I, me tell you about you my character. I don't
1: carrots. know if you have, but I want to hear about it now.
2: <laughs> so so he, he went through a few uh iterations. We actually played for long enough for him to change his performance type. Uh so when he started out, he was a one-man band, and his name was Klarosk Grunt Futtuck. <clears throat> Um, and um, yeah, his his performance was he had a big drum on his back, he had a ukulele, and 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 the, uh, the rest of the trappings of being one man band. And as we were going over the hills, the horizon, like hobbits in Lord of the Rings, he was going <laughs> boom, boom. <ding-a-ling>, boom. <laughs> and uh, I had something like an automatic minus twenty to all stealth roll. <laughs> uh, it was. It was just fun to be going through a dungeon crawl, and when I was creeping, it was more of a
0: boom. (laughs) 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 Boom.
2: Because anywhere (laughs) anywhere I was going, I couldn't remove this uh, contraption. So in the end, uh, the the dwarves with whom I was adventuring insisted that I remove all of these instruments, much to my unhappiness, and so I uh, became a master of limericks. Oh, no. Um, and I'm, <laughs> now I'm going to test myself can I remember any of them? You don't want to hear any of them <laughs> but yeah, I wrote, I penned a whole bunch of limericks by Clarus Grunt Fatuk that ended up, I think everyone cheered when my character ended up dying <laughs> and I think I did as well <laughs> uh, that seems uh, I have no I have no regrets but it's uh, a more conscientious math you probably wouldn't have introduced that because I imagine that probably ruined the, the GM's game it certainly wasn't going to be grim and serious about, oh, your family have all died in a burned-down village, and now you've got to get revenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, as I march into battle for my family, uh, I will write a limerick about Sauron. See how he likes it. Oh my
0: god. Oh my
1: god. I love, I love when you're telling a story about, like, about a funny thing that happened, you know, ten years ago or whatever, and then and this 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 happens to everybody I know, including myself. And like you like hit that point in the story where you kind of look up and you go, "It is I who is the asshole." <laughs> 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 having those moments of realization you're like like, like, oh yeah it was super funny like everybody else was playing good characters and I was playing a chaotic evil character so of course they kept doing all this stuff to fuck up their plans and like murdering things in front of them and I thought it was really funny Uh, yeah, it's it's,
2: it's like I can picture in slow motion the recording of me looking around the table all the players laughing hammering the table and then my eyes fall on the GM, and he's just
1: he's gonna, morose. He's got his head in his hand. just like <laughs> fucking limericks. Yeah.
2: Did, did I ever tell you the story?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> Can we read did, this, this episode ma- Matthew's Anecdote Corner? <laughs>
2: uh, did, did I ever tell you the story about um, uh, that? Uh, there was a vampire player I once played with. I don't know whether he listens to this. His name is JP. And uh, he He's calling me out, brother front-
1: <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. he move his
2: front seat from the reference. table Oh yeah, obligatory wrestling <laughs> reference, very good um, And it was one of my first uh, it was, in fact, I think no, it wasn't Vampire, it was a game of Slay Industries and Those are JP pretty was different games <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, JP was the very first vampire storyteller I had, so this is where it's getting mixed up. But anyway, anyway, this this could be the podcast. Um, it was actually like tennis. Actually, <laughs>
1: yeah. it was Candyland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So he was, um, he was sat on the opposite side of the table to me, and I was playing a Stormer, and a Stormer is this vat-grown killing machine mm-hmm. in Slay Industries. And um, at some point in Slay Industries, Slay Industries is a game where the players, characters, the operatives, often do screw each other over yeah. to win better sponsorships, to um, call out treacherous behavior on behalf of Slay Industries and that kind of thing. And... Um, I remember with my Stormer, uh, there was another player's character who was crawling up through a hatch that I had already come up through, and he had done some very naughty things on camera that the company would not have rewarded him for. He had humiliated the company, so I shot him in the back of the head as he was climbing up this ladder, and he died. And um, JP started laughing uh, on the other side of the table, and he was laughing so much that I started laughing. And he was in tears of laughter. So I was suddenly in tears of laughter. It was it was like a joint hysteria, but it was very strange because it wasn't even that funny a thing to happen. Right. And he started hammering the table, and he was sort of going, ah, ah, as he was laughing in, in in the most outrageous display of, of hysterics that I'd ever seen. And, of course, this was making me laugh even more. I was struggling to breathe. And so I was kind of pointing at him and laughing, and everyone else around the table just didn't really... was finding it mildly amusing, but not nearly as amusing as the person who performed the act and his chief audience, JP. What, it turned out, had happened was JP had giggled, he thought this was amusing, but JP had an issue with his right knee where it would lock in place oh no. and, and it would cause him excruciating pain. And when he just laughed a little, it had jerked his leg and locked his knee in place. And when he was going, ah, ah, and hammering the table, it was because he was in immense pain. And I was just pointing and laughing at him. <laughs> And, and and crying with laughter at his agony because I thought he was he found my my actions in the role playing game funny, uh, but no, it was in fact um, he he had to be carried out <laughs> because it was I who was the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a genuine case of mistaken um, I guess tragedy for humour, humour for tragedy. Uh, but yeah, at the time it was amusing. <laughs> uh, was
1: it was it though
2: well it was for me
0: <laughs> so <laughs> much oh, um, I just realized that I've actually not mentioned my games I'm excited about <laughs> which is fine um, but uh, speaking on. of 20 uh, year old games you
1: actually did you talked for quite a bit about the game from 8th to
0: well yes but the, then we did the games that are not on its path games
1: I know it cares. <laughs> wow!
0: <laughs> and this is why we haven't
2: talked for several yeah. weeks. <laughs> yeah. What? What is this? The not onyx path game? No, no, not I'm, any. I'm... Oh, which which non onyx path game? <laughs> I don't want to tell you now. I feel like I've been called I'm just, out.
1: <laughs> I'm just morose. You all left me. <laughs> I've been very sad.
0: Well, we're back now.
2: Until I leave okay. again. Um, until oh, I didn't leave. You until, were giving me random calls about Werewolf the Forsaken later. Mike.
1: Until until you leave Atlanta, Eddie. The same day I show I up know, there.
0: because I'm, I'm because I'm, you hate me. Yeah, obviously, clearly, that's the reason, and not because you're, two conventions you're are at the same time.
1: Fleeing, I tell you. <laughs>
0: um, but uh, Cyberpunk Red looks cool. Uh, I actually uh, yeah. That was a terrible segue, but I had the jam it in there. Um, no, it does look cool.
1: I'm excited about
0: uh, it. I'm, I've been a huge fan of Cyberpunk uh, and the 2020 version of it. Actually, I've a fan of Cyberpunk before it was 2020. It was actually still the first edition. Um, Not Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I, I, it's on pre-order. It's going to happen. Yep. Um, but uh, uh, Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit was was at Gen Con. It was the only thing I bought at Gen Con. It was like, you know, I went there. I was like, cool, mine, done. Now I can do the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's a cool Beyond know, Box set and it has a very classic style. And has a box set it has dandies, has a double sided map, has some uh, a, a, a rules book and a world book. Um, and so I'm flipping through and a lot of it is it's set in 2045, so it's kind of between 2020 and the 2077 game coming out, which is interesting. Okay, cool. I thought it would be 2077, but actually it's kind of the backstory to the video game coming out, which is such a neat way of doing it. I like that, um, uh, uh, and and a lot of the stuff you know it's it's recognizable. Um, they break on certain parts of continuity because it doesn't make sense anymore, or whatever. Um, and, and you know, certain corporations are gone; new corporations placed. usual kind of thing. I expect, uh, but the one thing I was excited about was um, the cyberware section uh, because both Shadowrun and cyberpunk have in the past had kind of problematic interpretations of cyberware in terms of prosthetics for people with disabilities. Uh, right. Um, and I had heard through the grapevine through my friends at Artel I like, no, we've actually made some pretty big changes in that front. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so in the original game, if you took too much cyberware, you gained, you lost all your humanity you gained cyberpsychosis, um, which is not a great interpretation. Um, but it was playing off the original kind of 90s era of, you know, too much technology and it actually makes you less human, you know, original Classic cyberpunk kind of trope. Um, now, it's uh, um, you only get cyberpsychosis if you are previously had a mental illness and this exacerbates it. Um, uh, so if you were psychotic, then this makes it worse. Um, but otherwise, if you were taking on uh, things for disability or uh, for t- t- uh, gender correction, any of that stuff, that's just normal and doesn't impact your character at all. It's just you're, you're getting stuff to make your character what they need to be. That's it. Um, and I think it's a really nice approach to say, you know, oh, hey, you know, if I get my hearing aid, nothing mechanically changes on my sheet. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously I get the benefits of having the cybernetics, but I mean, I don't lose humanity or anything like that. Um, and, uh, you know, trans people, it's like, you know, you, you when yep. you, you get surgery to correct that, to your correct gender, it's just, that's just what it is. Um, there's no loss of that I either. I think the
1: preferred term is usually gender affirmation surgery. By apologies. Gender, that, that, gender affirmation instead of correction, because correction implies something is wrong. My, my it. apologies.
0: Uh, um, it's fine. Uh, the, 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 the intent was more that, that that you go to the the gender you were supposed to be rather than the gender you were born um uh
1: you're not born in gender
0: right <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> my apologies. i, 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 I i'm i am doing this all from from off top of my head um the, the I book, understand what the you're book saying, is better about I am, I am. it and i appreciate you correcting me um uh, the book is better explaining this than i am doing uh, but the point is is that that's just not before that would have been a humanity loss and was explicitly right. positioned as such um and that has changed to where there's no longer the way it is positioned um, and I thought that was yeah. really cool. Uh, the fact that they're they're taking this older property and finding ways to update it so it's more modern sensibilities. Um, like also um, uh, uh, they, they, um, they're called agents now, um, but they're basically they're portable comps, portable computers. Um, and before a cell phone was like a 90s era cell phone, was big and clunky and you called people and had maybe a few addresses and that was it. And that was like cutting edge technology. Um, and now they have agents, which are basically cell phones. Um, but it, it builds off of the existing technology in the game to update something that's a little more like we expect technology to be now um right so so it's exciting to see like you said with 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 five of our older games trying to update and and keep themselves uh, modern and inclusive and and uh, uh, more approachable um, while not invalidating the past history of the game and I'm always excited about yeah. that kind of stuff
1: and speaking of games, too, that have cool enhancements and stuff, we have the Deviant Kickstarter coming up fairly soon. It's
0: true. Mm. So
1: that's going to be awesome. Deviant the Renegades. When is that starting? Is the, uh, we don't have a date yet, but uh, sometime in September. Uh, probably early. How many NBA-ish. Renegades? <laughs> More than one is <laughs> the important thing there. <laughs> <It's> renegades. <laughs> that is one thing that I think people mistype a lot and someone asked me about it a while back they're like, like why is it always this one and I'm like because it's the only one we have that's plural <laughs> and they're like oh it's like yeah <laughs> like all all the other uh, Chronicles of Darkness game lines are not are not plural at the end uh, but this one is, is because Sin-Eaters? there's more than one again I guess Sinators is plural yeah. <laughs> I always forget about that one huh. well it is plural but for some reason people don't call it Geist the Sin Eater right. or maybe they do maybe I just haven't seen that typo Fair enough. I correct Eddie. Eddie corrects me. It's a good relationship.
2: We're all we're all, we're all I'm you. not going to correct anyone. You're you're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to Deviant. Uh, it's a game I honestly don't know a huge amount about, uh, which is worrying, given I developed the Contagion Chronicle, <laughs> and it has a Deviant chapter. And whoops! Uh, <laughs> Didn't
1: you give the Deviant chapter to the Deviant developer though?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I didn't actually, didn't actually finish off a book and think, yeah, you know what, fuck, <laughs> yeah, whatever I want, <laughs> um, like I do with every other book. Um, no, I'm. Uh, I remember when, uh, obviously, the developer of the game now is uh, Eric Zawadzki. Uh-huh. Uh, but I remember when Deviant was first being bounced around and I was in a discussion with uh, Dave Brookshaw about it. And Dave is one of the initial minds behind Deviant and, uh, and the person who ferried development up to a certain point. Uh, and we were talking about uh, David Cronenberg movies, meeting Orphan Black, and all of the, the that idea of being uh, lab-grown uh, or or potentially experimented on and having escaped, or even volunteered for experimentation. And maybe it went wrong, or maybe the conspiracy involved had plans for you that you did not agree with. Uh, I just I love the the sheer range of possible characters you can play in Deviant just from the concept alone. uh, When I think of all the Cronenberg movies that I love, like... um, like the Fly, like uh, Dead Ringers, mm-hmm. uh, hell, even like The Brood. Uh, there's uh, a, an awful lot of these movies that you can take elements from and put them very easily in Deviant. And as a massive fan of David Cronenberg, that's a win for me.
1: Yeah, I think some people will see in the in the art, like a, a lot of the the art notes that they in look, you know, monstrous on some level. You know it's just monster parts, mm-hmm. but like the reason for that is because drawing a bunch of baseline humans is, is boring after a while. <laughs> um, but you 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 totally can be a deviant that just looks like an everyday person and then has something else going on, whether it's you know mental powers like telekinesis or whether it's n- nanobots that you know come out of your skin and do things or that alter things inside of you. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I like about Deviant is that I think it is the the most open in terms of what your character can do, uh, but also the more powerful you are, the harder it is to be you, because mm-hmm. um, you know it's still a horror game, and we can't have it all be just superheroes, right? No, like if you if you took out scars and you took out some of the other mechanics that we have in there this would just be a game where you could make the Avengers, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but to make someone who is Captain Marvel, essentially you would be real screwed in terms of other things that would be happening to you.
2: It's it's funny. You mentioned the, uh, the way characters are sometimes depicted in role-playing games, monstrous characters that being depicted as human and therefore not really evoking the subject matter, I Mm. guess. Yeah. Um, Because, uh, well, I, I have a meeting with Dixie and Eddie and the rest of the Onyx Path team every Monday. We all do. is the Monday meeting. You've probably heard of it if you're listening to this.
1: Monday meeting? Um, ever heard of it?
2: Mm hmm. <laughs> there you go. There's another t shirt. I don't know that that one will sell, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll drum. We'll hammer that drum a bit more.
1: I'm just looking forward to the Cockstarter t shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, it's a hit. Uh, but... Yeah, who would wear that? Me. Actually, I know some. Yeah, Uh, some of them are. Ironically, that's the problem. (laughs) Uh, So we were talking about uh, art notes for Mummy: The Curse, because, of course, Mummy is uh, another Chronicles of Darkness game that we hope to get on Kickstarter um, in the next few months, with any luck. And uh, part of us getting games on Kickstarter is having art ready for it, because people probably wouldn't back our games as enthusiastically if they couldn't see a little of what that game will look like. And uh, something that occurred to me only recently, looking back through Mummy the Curse First Edition, and uh, no uh, disparagement on the artists at all, but a lot of that art depicts regular humans. It depicts people not looking terribly mummified. There's a few pieces here and there, but it depicts almost all mummies at that state of descent uh, where they don't look like they've just freshly risen from the grave. Uh, They look like they have um, a lot of memory but very little sekem. And so with the splats, for instance, the playable options in Mummy the Curse, we're going to go for a range. We will have characters who look almost more human than humans. Some of them will be glowing with power. Others will look like mummified cadavers, uh, utterly emaciated and uh, with tattered bandages hanging off them, because that is important. It's something that, for whatever reason, I had never even considered before, uh, probably this week, but it's something very important for a horror game.
1: Right. Well yeah, like that's, that's my issue with Deviant is like I think the only one there's one person one of the splat notes that's more of like a mental powers person. Um but I still asked for her I haven't seen the art notes yet or the art yet so I have no idea. But I know I asked for her to look very just like haunted and like maybe like wasting away a little bit mm-hmm. because that's something that great power can do to you in Deviant. <laughs> so it's like you know, let's let's compensate for the fact that she's not going to look like she's doing much by having her just look real terrified and a little creepy. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. But almost all the other ones have, like, you know, at least, like, lizard eyes or something going on weird. It's fun.
0: They don't blink in I like doing in art. art.
1: Yeah, they don't blink in art. They wear suits. They run YouTube channels. <laughs> um... <laughs>
2: What kind of deviant would I be? You know, my own unique kind of deviant. <laughs> but am I a renegade? No. Not, I'd probably watch so the no. conspiracy willingly.
1: Ugh, really?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's cool to be bad.
1: You're the worst.
2: <laughs> it's not cool to be the worst. <laughs> no, that's a different kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool to be just shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know it's cool to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
2: I think I've sworn more in this episode than I have on any yeah, it's other. Yeah, it
0: has been uh, a bit free with the profanity. But that's okay.
2: Yeah, A bit of blue for the that's, lads. That's fine. That's fine.
0: <laughs> so, Matthew, if people want to talk to you about what conspiracy you'd willingly embrace, where will they find you online? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, they could find me on com. Uh, They could also subscribe to the Onyx Path YouTube channel or the Gentleman Gamer YouTube channel. Uh, I do recommend following the Onyx Path Twitch channel because we have a whole ton of content coming out almost on a daily basis now. Yeah,
0: we're an affiliate Um,
2: too. Yep. Yay. We are. Yep. uh, we And we've broken 4,000 subscribers on our On Us path. Uh, YouTube channel 2, wow. which it may not sound like a lot, but for a uh, channel that has only really been cranking out content on the regular for the last, I guess, six months or so, that, that's pretty it good is, going. Yeah. So, yeah, please do subscribe to us there and follow us on Twitch. And, yeah, if you need to contact me, there's a button, a handy button on com. And Dixie,
1: A handy button. <laughs>
2: Yes, it's not shaped like a hand, unfortunately.
1: Oh, that's not Maybe it should be. <laughs> Just a little hand.
2: Tiny little hand.
1: I don't know how people would put that with contact, but... well, uh, Like a high five there you kind go. of thing.
0: Handshake. a high five. High five. did they find you online. Um,
1: you. I don't know. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hiding in a corner. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I'm sad because everybody left me. <laughs> um, yeah. You can find me uh, playing games on Switch sometimes. Uh, you can also find me at Dixie Cyanide most places. That actually includes Twitch. I've never streamed anything on my own though. So you can follow my Twitch channel if you want. But it's never produced content. So
0: <laughs> Just following an <laughs> empty channel. Not you try
1: there. You can follow any channel you want. Um, but yeah, you can find me at Dixie Cyanide most social media at DixieCochran.com. Uh, we do have an Onyx Path Publishing Discord that I keep trying to plug um it's super fun if you're enjoying our streams or you enjoy our games you can come talk about them there we have channels for every single game that we produce we also have uh, started doing a looking for group channel for anybody that's trying to play our games online so that's a cool place to be it's not you know super huge yet but we do have quite a few people on there and we get more every day so come check that out
2: absolutely um and i will say eddie before you start talking um... <laughs> because i've not spoken enough in that's this fair. episode I feel like the reins have come off, because I've been fairly subdued in some of the most recent episodes. You actually so have,
1: and then, like, this one, you're just all over the place.
2: <laughs> ah, well, I'm back! I'm back, baby! Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> yeah, so, regarding Dixie's uh, Twitch channel with no <laughs> followers... So I don't know whether he still does it. There's a British comedian by the name of Richard Herring who used to do a podcast where he was just playing pool by himself. Well, I do not know, snooker by Mm -hmm. himself. And he was commentating over his own matches. And he was just doing a new episode every week of him just playing snooker by himself. And he said he would only stop he would only stop producing these when it had no listeners at all <laughs> so it started off with a thousand listeners and it was just slowly reducing when people realized nothing interesting happens but as a form of art it's quite interesting <laughs> because people still listen to the damn right. thing <laughs> just so he has to carry on doing it.
1: That's pretty great actually
2: <laughs> I kind of love that. That is it's why we're still doing this <laughs> Right, we've not to zero <laughs> listeners yet <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll have to keep trying <laughs> yeah um, yes right redefine me um, uh, I, I've actually changed things up a bit recently um, now both eddiefate.com and puckstay.com point to my brand new website um, which is made by the same people that made Matthew and Nicky's website so you know thank you Meredith um, I
1: was going to say is it, is it people or is it
0: person <laughs> I mean it's, it's person Meredith contains multitudes
1: Meredith does contain multiple figures. That's why we're going to interview her soon. Yes, we are,
0: actually, fairly very, very soon. Um, that, so you can find me there, all my social media stuff there. Um, if you want to find me in general now, my professional uh, so- social media accounts are Pugsteady, P-U-G-S-T-E-D-D-Y. That's Eddie and Pugsteady kind of merged together. Um, or just go to the website, and there can be links there to take you to my social media accounts. Um, and like Dixie said, uh, check out the OnyxPath Discord, check out our website, theonyxpath.com. Um, uh, if you have suggestions of, of Limerick's or whatnot, or uh, catchphrase suggestions, <laughs> um, <laughs> so Twitter whether it's probably the best place to put them. Don't, don't tempt me from <laughs> Can we fit this Limerick on a t-shirt is my question. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, you can... There's a company that puts entire book text on T-shirts. Oh, really? So you put a limerick on a T-shirt. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's a thing. I think it's cool. i have to
0: check that out, actually.
2: So there once was an Onyx Pathcast.
1: <laughs> you already missed um, a syllable.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, fuck it, then. that, that that's, what the, that's what our limerick will say. There once was an Onyx Pathcast. Well, fuck it, then.
0: <laughs> and with that, many worlds, fuck it.
2: do <laughs>